Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Uh, last Sunday was a probably highlight Sunday for us. Uh, there is still a ring right here on the carpet from where our baptism tank was, and it was a blast to get to watch four people get baptized. Now, if you were with us in person or you joined us online last week and you took off right away or you logged off, you may be going, wait a second, four? I, th- I thought there were only three. Well, that's because right after our worship gathering, Parker came up and said, I need to get baptized. And so I'm going to invite Parker to come up, and uh, he didn't get to share his story last week, so I've invited him. Okay, correction. I'm forcing him (laughs) to come and share, uh, but uh, if you would, just listen to Parker's story because it's awesome. Hello. My name is Parker. I was raised in a Christian home but never really felt very deep in my faith. Sure, I was excited about heaven, but I didn't like God as much as the idea of heaven. This all changed when I saw three others share their faith and get baptized. Then when I felt is something I will never forget. I felt God ask me if I wanted to follow him. I could almost feel the conflict in my heart, but happily God won me over after five powerful minutes, and I'm so glad he saved me. This is why I was baptized. Thank you. You guys have no idea how much courage it takes to do what Parker did. Uh, Parker, I'm proud of you for surrendering to the Spirit, listening to him. Uh, I think God's got big plans for you, dude, and I'm going to have a lot of fun watching it. So, uh, well done. Uh, Last week, as we were having Baptism Sunday, I confessed uh, early in my sermon that when we'd set last Sunday as our Baptism Sunday, I went to my preaching calendar and I had a conflict. The topic was divorce. Uh, Divorce and baptism just don't seem to be a good match. And so I I admitted that I seriously thought about changing it. And for various reasons, we ended up going with it. And I think by God's grace, it ended up being a really beautiful Sunday. But very similar thing happened for this week. Uh, Several weeks ago, Jody contacts me and says, hey, Sam and I are ready to dedicate Margo. Can we set a date? And I'm like, Jake and I are pretty flexible. Just pick a date that works. And they said, how about April 25th? And I go to my preaching calendar And this week, it's beautiful, because today we get to hear Jesus say, let the children come to me. So I don't have to finagle anything. It's like in perfect sync. So I invite you to open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 10. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, uh, I'm going to say, don't worry about it. We're going to put the scripture up on the screen. But um, if you are a first-time guest, uh, we really want you to have a Bible. So either download a Bible to your phone, and then feel free to use that the next time you come to Riverwood, or get a paper Bible. They they sell some at Walmart. You can go on christianbook.com and order one. If you can't afford a paper Bible and want one, just let us know. We have some high-quality Bibles that we would love to just give you. Just give us your address. We'll drive it over, drop it off, and that way you have an everyday Bible. So you can use it on Sunday when you come, and you can use it on Monday when you're at home. But we really want you to have a Bible. Today we're going to be doing Mark 10, verses 13 through 16. So as we get ready to read, let me pray. Heavenly Father, uh, I believe that you wrote these words through human authors long ago. And the truths that you embedded spoke to the very audience that originally read it, and yet it still pertains to us today. And so, God, I pray that we would not come to this today trying to force your scriptures to fit our narrative the way we think about life, but rather that through this, you would help change our way of thinking, our way of living, to come in accordance to the truths that you have put in so long ago. So, God, I pray that you would go beyond what I prepared to say, that you would speak directly into our hearts and our minds. And and also, I pray that that what we hear just helps to elevate what we get to watch Sam and Jody do as they dedicate Margot to you, that this would be a very beautiful 
sacred day, and all of us would enjoy getting to join with them as they dedicate themselves to raising Margot to hear of all about you. So God, speak to us now, teach us now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, let's do Mark 10, verses 13 through 16. And they were bringing children to him, to Jesus, that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. Throughout the, uh, all of Mark, because we've been studying Mark for quite a while now, we have witnessed Jesus do a number of miracles. Uh, we, we've seen him stand in a boat and calm a storm with nothing but a word. Uh, we've seen him take nothing but a little boy's lunch and break it up and feed 5,000 people. And then he turned around and did it again and fed 4,000. We've seen him heal people. We, we've seen him he, uh, cause the, the lame to, to walk, the, the blind to see, the deaf to hear. I mean, we've seen him do some amazing miracles. And some of those miracles have happened with nothing but a touch from Jesus. So is it a surprise that we start our passage today and we see these people, it doesn't specifically say parents, but we can pretty safely assume we've got some parents and they're bringing their children to Jesus just for him to touch them. Now, maybe some of these kids are sick and so they're bringing their child hoping for some sort of like physical healing. But there's a greater chance that the children are fine and these parents are just wanting a touch from Jesus because maybe it's like a magic touch. Maybe if Jesus touches them, they will get to live for a long time. I mean, back then, their, their morbidity rate was much higher than ours. And so maybe this would be what would give them long life. Or maybe some of them, they want their children to have wealth when they grow up. Like, this will just help them to become really rich. Maybe some of them, it's that they want their kids to grow up to be prominent or, or to become great religious figures like Jesus. They're, they're wanting some sort of blessing. So they're bringing their children. And, and it's like, you know, when the parents are bringing the kids to Santa, you know, like, go ahead, go sit on his lap. You know, but instead of just wanting the photo, they just want the touch. But did you notice what the re- disciples did? It says that they began to rebuke the people. Like, Why? Mark doesn't tell us. Mark puts more of the focus on Jesus. All we get is this one little phrase. The disciples rebuked them. Why are they saying, no, 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 keep the kids away? Maybe it's because they they think what some people think. Children are to be seen and not heard. Maybe they think like some of the Roman culture or a few in the Jewish culture. Children aren't really fully human until they achieve a certain age. Till then, keep them away. Maybe it's because these children, they, they can't, you know, they're not as productive into society. They can't, you know, give into things. And so, you know, like, just keep them away. They're, they're not worth the time. We don't fully know, but I have a suspicion. And, and my suspicion comes from the context that we see surrounding this, especially when it speaks to the, the, uh, to the disciples. Back in chapter 9, uh, when Ed Pavlik, one of our elders, uh, preached the Sunday before Palm Sunday, he helped us to see the disciples were having an argument. They were arguing of who was the greatest, in our circles, we, we try to say, you know, who's the least? You know, oh, no, 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 you're, you're better than me. But no, with them, it was all about power, position, prestige. And so they go, well, oh, yeah, you're good, but I'm a little better. You know, and so they're having this argument, and Jesus walks in and shuts the argument down. And the way he does it is he grabs a kid, puts the kid on his lap, and go, hey, guys, you want to be great? You got to take care of the least of these. You got to take care of these little ones, these who are weak. That is greatness in my kingdom. 
but they clearly aren't getting it. Because in just a few weeks here later in chapter 10, we're going to see James and John approach Jesus and ask for the most prominent positions in Jesus' kingdom. They're going to want to sit at his right and his left. And it makes the other disciples really, really angry. And Jesus just kind of shakes his head. Like, what is up with these disciples? Why do they want these prominent positions? Why are they having arguments about who's the greatest? Because the way they were raised, they saw that the greatest was power. It was all about power, political power, physical power, like just personality power. That is what it is all about. When I was nine years old, I went out for the uh, summer swim team. Uh, my school was too small to have like a true swim team. It was just a little summer league, you know, about six, uh, seven weeks long. And when I began, we were taught on, on our freestyle that when you bring your arm over, you were to bring your thumb into the water first. The idea was you didn't want to, you know, push the water away from you. So you wanted to be, this isn't the right term, aerodynamic. Maybe you should say hydrodynamic. But you want your, your thumb slicing into the water, and then you'd, you'd pull it through. Well, what they discovered was doing a lot of turning like this, it put a lot of extra stress on the shoulder. And so they began to change the advice. You actually were to stick fingertips in first and pull it through. Now, because it had been ingrained in me from age 9 to 18 that you go thumb first, when I learned that, no, actually, you should go fingertips first, it took an adjustment. Like, if I thought about it, I could do it. It felt weird. But if I started thinking about other things as I'm in the water just doing my normal exercise, suddenly I would discover I began to revert my thumb back and, sure enough, end up with some shoulder problems. Why did I gravitate to this? Because that's what was ingrained in me since I was a kid. The disciples have had it ingrained in them that if you want to achieve greatness, it is all about power. And all they need for confirmation is Jesus. I mean, they've seen power. I mean, standing up in a boat and calming a storm, that's power. I mean, the way he teaches and the draw that he is, I mean, they can go everywhere in Israel, even beyond Israel, and people find him. They want to hear from him. This guy has power. And so because he's probably the greatest individual who have ever walked on the face of the earth, no one displayed power like Jesus. They can't wait for his kingdom. Jesus is going to sit on the throne. Maybe James and John or someone else is going to sit on the, you know, next to him, and he's going to have dignitaries come, the Caesar. Like, he's going to rule the world. Someone that important does not have time for kids. So they rebuke the parents. But did you notice Jesus' response? Verse 14. It says, but when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. That word means angry. He's frustrated. He is so disappointed in his disciples. Like this gets him going. And he says this, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. What I want to do today is I want to break down that quote from Jesus. The first thing we see him say is let. Right, synonyms would be to allow, to permit. It's, it's open the door and let. But who? The children. Jesus is saying, let these children come to me. So often we overlook kids, but Jesus doesn't. He sees them. Why? Because Jesus, as God the Son, was there at creation when the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit said, let us make man, humans, in our image. And so 
Everyone who bears human DNA has the image of God in them. And so therefore, they matter deeply to God. So that means children matter to God because they have human DNA. So because the image of God is in them, Jesus is saying, no, let the children come. This is why at Riverwood, we have been so dedicated to have Kids Creek. Like in the beginning, we just had no volunteers. It was hard. And yet Sunday after Sunday, we kept doing it. My wife, who is not naturally called to, to lead elementary students, led our Kids Creek ministry week in, week out. She did a phenomenal job. Kids were just falling in love with Jesus. They were getting excited. They were having fun. It mattered because these kids mattered to us. We don't want them just coming in here and feeling like, oh, I just got to put up with all this until I grow up and then I finally can have church. Like we're committed to having this space in this environment where they have every opportunity to hear Jesus and the gospel. Parents, you are always free to bring your children in here. We love having kids with us. But we also want you to know we've intentionally done that so that we can help children come to Jesus. But today I want to take this a step further, and this is going to get just a little uncomfortable for some people. This idea that children bear the image of God is why abortion is wrong. Uh, Abortion is a sin because they are human beings who have human DNA, and so therefore they bear the image of God, and they are not to be overlooked. They are not an inconvenience to be pushed aside. They matter. Now, I, I want to put grace all over this. If you have had an abortion or if you ever pressured someone to have an abortion, hear me loud and clear. Yes, that was sin, but your sin is forgiven through the cross. Right? That moment does not have to define you. You need to let the cross be what defines you. And, and, and through the cross, all of your sin is forgiven, even that. But I can't just ignore it and push it aside because here's Jesus saying, no, let the children come to me. They matter to me. My my image is in them and I want to restore it. Jesus goes to a cross to die even for children. You need evidence that the gospel can work in kids? All you have to do is look at last, uh, last Sunday because it was kids who led the way. It was God working in these kids. Their eyes are opening to the gospel. And they were willing to stand in front of us scary adults and say, I follow him. So kids matter. That is why Jesus says, let the little children. But notice what he says next. Let the children come to me. And it's not just come and see. It's not like they're they're standing on the edge and say, hey, someday that can be yours when you grow up and you become a big person. It's not just come and hear. No, it's come to me. In fact, down in verse 16, you actually see Jesus take these kids into his lap. He delights in them. Unfortunately, in our day and age, when you see a guy taking strange kids into his lap, we see them as some sort of pervert. That's not the case at all here. Jesus loves these kids purely. He's going to die for their sin. They bear his image. He finds great delight in them. But there's also another reason why he delights in them. And it isn't just because they bear his image. He tells us at the very last phrase. He says, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is for kids. That's why we were comfortable baptizing some kids last week. The kingdom belongs to them. But also, it doesn't just belong to them. They are to be, in a sense, the ideal, the the prototype. Look at uh, verse 15. Truly, I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. It's funny, us adults, we sometimes get frustrated with kids. 
And we just kind of want to look at him and go, oh, grow up. It's like now Jesus is looking at these adults, especially his disciples, and he's frustrated. It's like he wants to say, grow down. Now, is he trying to say, you know, be more immature. Be a little more foolish. You know, like, don't think things through. No, not at all. In a sense, what he's saying is, you need to become like children because children are powerless. Here are these disciples thinking it's all about power. And Jesus is saying, actually, guys, it's not. The way into my kingdom is powerlessness. Think about it. A one-year-old child cannot feed themselves. Right now, maybe they'll eventually get to find motor skills to put the Cheerios in their, their mouth, but they can't open the Cheerio box. They can't go and operate the blender. They, they can't make it happen. Or, or if they're outside and a wild dog comes, they, they can't protect themselves. They have no way. They are completely helpless. So when you are powerless, the only thing you have is trust. That's all a kid has. A kid has to trust that mom will feed them. A kid has to trust that dad will protect them. A kid has to trust that when they wake up, mom and dad will still be there. They're powerless. That's all they have. And Jesus is saying, you went into my kingdom? You have to be like a child. And you have to realize that you are powerless. That's, that's uh, offensive in our culture. In our culture where, you know, everyone's trying to be on Instagram and be an influencer and trying to get all the attention on themselves, Jesus is saying, I don't care how much of a VIP you are. You went into my kingdom? <laughs> You've got to realize you're powerless. You have, you have nothing. That's why uh, today, here in just a little bit, uh, Sam and Jody are going to dedicate Margot. But part of that dedication is, is them realizing as parents that they are powerless. If you are a parent, you, you've been there. You've had moments where you feel completely helpless, completely clueless. Like for me, the moment was when my kid was put in my arms. Like you, you suddenly like freak out. Like I have no idea what to do. Why didn't they give us the class in college on this? Like seriously. You know, and so suddenly you have no idea how to discipline. I remember when my two-year-old is sitting there absolutely refusing to put the blocks in the bag. I'm just like, how do I discipline? Like, She's too young to be spanked. I can't put her in time out. Like, what do I do? I had no clue. Like, there's times where your kid asks you a question, and you're like, uh, I, what do I say? It's those moments that you are helpless, you're powerless, that you have no choice but to trust God. So in a sense today, what Sam and Jody are doing is saying, we're powerless. We're clueless. I mean, they've been through this once with Liza. They're going to get to do it again with the third, but... It, when they're honest, they're going, yeah, there's moments where we have no idea what to do. And that's why they need the power of God. And so they're today saying, we're powerless. And so God, we trust you because you've entrusted this child to us. We now give ourselves. So that's why we don't call this just a child dedication. We also call it a parent dedication. Because Marga today, she's not making any decision whatsoever about this. But Sam and Jody are. They're saying, we dedicate ourselves to this. Because we realize we can't do this in our own strength, in our own wisdom, 100% consistently. God, we need your help. And so I'm going to invite Sam and Jody to come up here. Uh, what, what I'm going to do is, uh, even though I've been saying their names over and over and over, I'm still going to allow Sam to uh, introduce the family to you. Uh, this is for those of you who may be online or who are here in our, our uh, 
in person and, and you don't know this family, I'll still allow them to introduce themselves. Um, and then we're going to allow them to uh, say a vow uh, saying, here's what we're doing. We are committing ourselves to uh, raising Margot to understand who Jesus is. But then because we're doing this with the whole church family, we're going to allow our church family to be a part of this. And so if you are part of the Riverwood family or if you're part of their extended family, we would love for you to read that vow uh, back to them to basically say, hey, we're going to stick with you. We're going to pray for you. We'll support you. When you need wisdom, we'll help provide it. When, when you just need someone to listen, we'll try to be there for you. Um, because raising kids is an awesome privilege, but it is big. It is daunting. Um, and so that's why I want us as a church family to be a part of this as well. So, Sam, would you introduce your family? Um, I'm Sam Schaefer. This is my wife, Jody. Um, this is Margo. And her sister, Liza, is over there. And her uh, father-in-law and mother-in-law, Daryl Noreen. Um, we're here to dedicate Margot to God. And hopefully she will serve him and worship him for all of her days. <laughs> and she's shy right now. All right, I'll let you guys read that, and you guys can see what they're uh, reading up there. Recognizing Margo as a precious gift of God, we as her parents commit to each other before God and our church family to raise our daughter in such a way that she will have every opportunity to see the work of the gospel in our lives and marriage and be given every opportunity to follow Jesus herself. And now, would you, if you feel comfortable, would you read this vow with us? We, as the Riverwood Church family and extended family, commit ourselves to pray for Sam and Jody and their children, to celebrate with them in moments of joy, support them through moments of pain, and support their desire to see their children grow to follow Jesus. So let's pray for this wonderful family. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for bringing Sam and Jody into the Riverwood family. And we thank you for bringing Liza and Margo and another one into their family. God, I thank you for the call that you've put on Sam and Jody's uh, lives to, to know you and follow you. I know that they uh, uh, do it imperfectly, uh, but I know their heart and desire is, is to put you first and foremost. Uh, so God, I pray that you would let Margo see their mo her mom and dad stumble and struggle to see their powerlessness and their helplessness and in that process see them trust you and as she watches them trust you she sees it syncs up with their words and she knows it's true god we pray that you would open uh, margo's eyes and heart at the right time to understand how much you love her that your image is in her and that jesus you died for her so you could begin to restore that image so that she would be able to then go into this world and be a blessing Heavenly Father, her middle name is Glory. I pray that her life would bring great glory to you. Not just glory to her parents, not just glory to herself, but glory to you. And that the way she lives her life, the way she talks, the way she interacts, it would point to you. And people would find themselves drawn, not just to her, but ultimately to Christ. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us as a church family to surround them, to love them, to support them in their marriage, to support them as parents, to support them in their jobs to help them be the followers of Jesus you've called them to be so that they can be the parents you created them to be so that they might lead their children to know you and follow you. So God, we commit ourselves and this wonderful family into your hands. And it's in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. All right, and that is for you guys.
today is not just about Margot, as cute as she is. It's not just about Sam and Jody. It's about Christ. And what I want to do is I want to go into another dedication. And this is us dedicating ourselves to the Lord. If you are not a follower of Jesus, I am so thankful that you chose to come today. Whether you're, you're here in person or you're joining us online, I want you to know that you, God's image is in you. You bear human DNA, and so therefore you matter deeply to God. But your sin kept you separated from him, and you are helpless to get into that kingdom. But Jesus wants you there. You matter to him. He's saying, let them come. So that's why Jesus went to the cross to die your death so that your sin could be forgiven, it could be washed away, and you could then come running into the arms of your heavenly daddy. So if you need to spend some time in these next holy moments to just pray, do so. Just pray and commit your life to God. Confess your sin to him. Accept Jesus' sacrifice on your behalf and give yourself to him. But I realize a number of you have already done this. That, That moment has marked you. You've given your life to him. So let's again dedicate ourselves to follow him. But that dedication means we confess our helplessness. That even now as we have put our faith already into Jesus, we can't still do anything of our own strength. We need him. We need his Holy Spirit. And so we come to him saying, God, I am helpless, but you are with me and you are great. You are strong. You can do anything. With you, all things are possible. So may we dedicate ourselves. And as part of this dedication, let us include the communion elements. Because as we take those elements, we're recognizing that that bread is the body of Jesus, which was broken for us. That cup represents his blood, which was shed for the forgiveness of our sins. May we take that and ingest those things into our lives, saying by taking that, God, your story, what you did for me, this is a part of me. This is who I am. And as you take it during this next song, may this be a dedication where you say, God, I'm helpless, but I trust you. And that's the best place to be. So let us do this now in remembrance of him.